0: First uh, things first. Very good to see you again. You too, man. Um, where I want to start is, uh, let me get this right. Um, there's a line in "More Than Ever": uh, "Summer spent in Italy when I was a boy." What are the first <laughs> memories that come up when you think of that line?
1: Well, some of my favorite memories, um, and I think that nostalgia was very strong over the past year and a half. Being, um locked down quite literally mm. locked in and locked down um it really made me reevaluate so many things of which i was so fortunate of as a kid i think very much that was the result of seeing my own kids not being able to have that last summer and so i tried to kind of um give them the same experience but here at home so i tried to make it really fun i, I started listening to a lot of the music that i associated with my childhood holidays that's kind of where I found the sound for Europeana and the whole concept of it. But um, that lyric was important for me. to. That lyric kind of just explains the whole album. Mm-hmm. It's like, by the way, this is why I've gone on this trip, because I'm reminiscing of uh, um, memories of summer spent in Italy when I was a boy and how much, how much pleasure and joy they actually brought me.
0: Can you maybe share one of those memories or something that you used to do on holiday? Maybe music, uh, but doesn't have to be.
1: Yeah, well, musically, there was this bar uh, called the Scafandro, which now is called the Jolly Bar. And there's a bartender there called Mauro, who's still there. Okay. And my grandfather, my mother, uh, they used to go there till the very early hours of the morning. And I was always the last kid in the town, in the village that would stay up. I had one, one of my really close friends, Paolo. His, his mother would come to the window at midnight. We'd be sitting in the piazza and she'd be like, Paolo, and he'd have to go. And at midnight, I was always left alone. And this is when I was about 11, 10, 11, 12. And um, I would always listen out to see where the party was coming from because there was two bars, but it was usually that bar I was speaking of. So I would go to the Scafandro and my mother and my grandfather and all of their friends would be there going crazy. And I would go inside to the bar and I would sit at the bar with the the bartender Mauro, this guy who's still there. And he would educate me in music. He would play me Julio Iglesias, Saj Gansberg, um, Patti Pravo, uh, Gypsy King. He was kind of the DJ of the night, but he would talk me through all the music and say, you're gonna, you you got to listen to this, you're going to like that. <clears throat> and every summer, he would make me a cassette. And I have somewhere, I don't know where, I think it's actually at my mother's house, I have a box of all of these ca- cassettes saying Portofino 89, mm-hmm. Portofino 91, Portofino 92. Uh, and I must, I must dig them up because they were amazing. But that was kind of really my first education of music, And seeing what music could do, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just that he was interesting when he was talking about it. It was the fact that when he would play something, I would turn around and my mom would be dancing on a table and everybody was happy. And it just was it was the sound and the feeling of summer and fun and freedom. So, yeah, that was kind of my my first real engagement with music, the power of music. Yeah, it's interesting that you
0: say that because there is a lot of reference of, of dancing together and 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 kind of that, those summer, summer nights and are you doing are trying to do the same thing now as you mentioned with your your kids are you trying to show them music and kind of give them that that feeling
1: 100 percent. that's where this all kind of came from was when lockdown started and i was like okay we're going to turn this into the best holiday we've ever been yeah. on. We're not going to look at this as a global pandemic. This is our little bubble. We're going to create our kids. My kids are young enough where they shouldn't be watching the news every day. Mm. So let's turn it into fun. And to do that, I tried to, I, I dug into my memories. Like, what, what would, the, what would I, what, what were we doing when I was a kid? What were my parents doing? And so we kind of relived these nights in that bar that I was speaking of and tried to relive those late summer nights I mean, we did, we'd have one night every week, we called it Fabulous Friday with the kids where we'd have a party and we'd go into the garden and mm-hmm. I would play music really loud. And most of the music that I was playing was what I would call Europeana. It was, you know, Daft Punk, Phoenix, and then Julio Iglesias, Georgia Moroda, Boney M, ABBA. It was all these fun stuff that I only usually listen to on in summer holidays. Um, but I was like, why do we only listen to this music on the holidays? We should always listen to this. This is fun. So that yeah. was kind of the inspiration.
0: Yeah, for me, Gypsy King, uh Gypsy Kings never fails to, to put me in a good mood. So I put it on totally. year round. Um
1: it's that but- classic, it's that classic um album that if you say to somebody at a party, put on gypsy king, they go, No. But if you put it on, mm. everybody gets up. <laughs> right. Everybody. It never it's, it's fails. Just,
0: I, I don't know. It, it it reaches you in a way. Like you said, those summer nights it reminds you of those uh totally. times and stuff. But part of kind of uh, reflecting this year is uh, a lot of people were forced to reflect, but also about kind of what they've been busy with. And now... Your the way I see it, and we've spoken before. but The, the way I see it, your uh, career has been on a slow upward tra- uh, trajectory. And there was a point I, I remember that you talked about. Well, you weren't sure about staying in the music business, and then now having a second number one album, I, that transition and kind of that path that you followed. What what does that make you feel?
1: Um, it, uh, my, my, my my first thing is kind of shock. Um and then pride, um but not so much pride in myself, pride in the team around me to like put up with that idea you know mm. we've we've spoken before over the years you've seen me in very different situations of my career where things weren't always looking very peachy <laughs> and looking all very rosy um but I've always kind of had the same team behind me I've always stuck very strongly to to surrounding myself with people that Believe in me, but believe more anything in anything in the ideas that I tried to make happen. And there was a time where I wasn't giving them enough ideas. And it was only when I started really putting a lot of thought into why I was doing this. Not just the songs, not just the singing, but like the whole purpose of this. What's the, what's the reason behind making a record? What's the reason behind dedicating the next two years of our lives to try and make an album that people listen to? Why are we doing this? Um, I started really coming up with those plans and those answers about five years ago. And that's when my career really changed when it wasn't just about thinking about writing a song or how am I going to sing it or what's it going to sound like? But it was like, why am I doing this? And why should I ask people to come on the journey with me? So since learning how to do that, we have experienced, like you just said, two number ones, which is crazy. Um, And, you know, we've done that without hit singles. We've done that without, with doing it in a way that nobody else does it which i don't think is good or and i don't think it's bad i just am very proud that it's different we've done it our way and there are so many things i can sit here and criticize and say that we have to improve and that we're not getting right but there are so many things that we're doing that nobody else thought about doing and that's something that does fill me with pride
0: yeah, one thing that I found very interesting, I, I think it was something you said in an interview for Abbey Road, where you said, kind of, the family is constantly growing, talking about the people around you. Um, and it, is that a question of kind of, like you said five years ago, letting opening yourself up to that? Or is that also kind of the, is that, does that coincide with the success in a way, in, in that you are able to do a lot more? It's
1: 100. You can calculate my success literally with somebody always joining the team. Mm. It's like, it, it's the, the stronger my team gets, the more we go up. And that's something I learned quite early on that on my own, there's only so far I can go. And I can actually, one thing that happened was I found out that I'm okay with failure. I have no problem failing. But if somebody else that I've given responsibility fails, that 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 becomes a problem. That's my responsibility to not allow that to happen. So I've surrounded myself with people that I know will always surprise me, will always bring something more to the table than I could ever think about. I don't surround myself with people that think like I think at all. Actually, I surround myself with people that think I'm an idiot, that think I'm nuts. Um, but they, some for some reason, listen to what I have to say, and then they surprise me with what they do with with that. Um so you can totally, you could map it out. Um, I could literally map out with every album, somebody else joining on, somebody taking me that step higher and making it bigger and better. And and not necessarily in the terms of like success, financial or yeah. charts, in the sense that like what we are building makes us much more um, self-sufficient. Mm. We're not depending on anything, you know, labels will come and go. Um, but we will always have a unit that that can make the music and make the lifestyle that we want to live
0: with with all of that in mind then because obviously last year was a or the last two years were were a bit weird um to say the least and and so I i can imagine that the whole songwriting approach is different than it had been before so what was your approach so to say and how did the the sound of the album started to form? Like you mentioned, you had those inspirations, but then also kind of once it becomes more tangible, how how did that uh, process go?
1: The main change was the piano. Um, I bought myself a piano. The whole song is written on piano. Um, I didn't touch the guitar for this album. So that's, I was a conscious decision. It was a challenge. Um, I also didn't want to make the same record that I've made in the past. And I had got to a point with the guitar. I'll go back to it, I'm sure. But I'd gotten to a point where the guitar was empty. There was nothing in it. I had used everything in the guitar, if you know what I mean. Sure. So I, I decided to start digging somewhere else. And I very luck, fortunately, um, treated myself to a very beautiful Beckstein piano um, just at, after the success of the last record. That was my like gift to myself at the end of the year. Uh, it's the most sort of uh, fancy thing I've ever bought for, for myself in my life. Um, and uh, I decided when lockdown happened, I better learn how to play this thing because <laughs> I don't really know how to play I still don't really know how to play it, but I've gotten better. I can definitely say I've gotten better because I've literally lived here for the last year and a half on this seat, in this room, um, which is what's made it quite emotional because um, you can quite literally map out the last year and a half whether it be on my social media or whatever. And I've been sat right here for the mm-hmm. last year and a half. Um, it's been, you know, people our fans saw me almost every day at one point because I was singing covers to them, trying to sort of lift morale and, and stay and keep my own sanity. Um, so to be able to sort of have written a whole album here and now, you know, the other day to thank everybody from this spot, that was quite a trip, even for me. Because never in my career have I been able to quite literally visualize, like trace back the whole year Um, so much as this year because I've been static, you know, because it's been in one place. So it's been quite mad to sort of have this experience. It's quite surreal, if I'm totally honest, because usually you're out there working, you're touring, you see it grow, you see it build, you're doing promo, you do a radio, you do a TV, you think, oh, this might be happening. (laughs) Something's happening here. That hasn't been the case for me. Right. It's kind of all been done from my living room. Um, so that's been pretty nuts. That's been a very unique experience. And I'm so um, overwhelmed great, in, a, in a grateful manner to have experienced that because I really think that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, having a successful record is one thing. Going on a successful campaign is another. But having it in a time of COVID and lockdown in this mad world, exper- like this is something I'm going to be telling my grandchildren about for sure.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine. Did it unlock uh, a new side to your creativity? Because you had all of a sudden, all this time, all this uh, mental space to, to work on the album, the creative space. And then also you had a kind of somewhat structured home life, I would suppose, which you, I, I guess, don't have uh, normally when you're touring and stuff. So,
1: Yeah, totally. It was also, I had more energy, mm. which is, and I think you can hear that in the songwriting. It's all very energetic. <laughs> um, it's very positive um it's also looking really outwards Mm. even though of course the subject matters are usually you know i I always say i have a pretty shit imagination unfortunately most of the things i write about have happened um (laughs) but the way i'm trying to talk about the stories even though they are personal is much more outwards it's much more universal um this isn't a dear diary album um because i sat down at the beginning of lockdown and it was all dear diary I'm scared, dead diary, mm. I'm lonely, dead diary, I'm anxious, I'm isolated, which I think we're going to hear a lot of <laughs> music about that uh, coming. But I realize I'm not going to want to sing about this. I don't think people are going to want to hear this. I want There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I want to make the soundtrack for the party that's happening over there, not that's happening here. I want to make music that that takes us to that light, that when we do get to the light, we can put on and dance and celebrate. And and you know me, and that's not usually how I, <laughs> that's not usually what I do, um, but this time I really wanted to make an album that celebrated. But is that then where somebody like Nile Rodgers comes in? Exactly, that's very much where somebody like Nile Rodgers, John Oates, these mm-hmm. are all guys that did that, and they did it with style. They gave us music to celebrate, quite literally, She, <laughs> <Chic. laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> But um, but they did it, but it's it's. Uh, not to use another pun, it's chic, it's actually really elegant, it's got mm. class, it's got style, um, and that's why those two guys were so important. Gizmo Varias, another guy I worked with, um, an amazing Spanish musician, he does the same thing. He makes amazingly fun, tropical, celebratory, sense of occasion music, but he does it with style. And um, yeah, I needed help to do this, because it was my first time venturing into that world. Um, And I was very lucky that I literally got, you know, the best in the business to come and help to teach me how to make a feel good album.
0: Yeah. And like, like we mentioned before, combine that with the influences that you mentioned from your youth and kind of those, those late eighties, early nineties kind of sounds that it does. um, Well, what I like about the albums, like you said, you never make the same album. I mean, last album was quite different than this one and the, uh, the, the one before. So how do you see that, that, um expansion of your your uh, musical palette
1: i'm already thinking of the next one okay I'm totally honest. <laughs> I'm not gonna give anything away but the minute this sort of came out i was like okay my brain sort of went <laughs> next what's the next what's the next step i like to look at them like films um mm. i really love the album i know people say it's a dinosaur it's a dying thing I don't think it ever will be. You know, people said that about books. People said that about film. I think there's always going to be space for it. It's not what it was. No, no, there's no debating that. Um, we live in a very singles-based world right now. Single, 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 song, sure. song, song. 60,000 singles are uploaded to Spotify every day. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Um, so I don't, want, I, my head can't comprehend that. But when it comes to albums, I just want to, I like thinking about a body of work. I like thinking about something that is a story that is bigger than just the song. Um, As much as I love the song, I love a song that has a place within an album. Mm. Um, And it was actually Nile Rodgers who said to me, you know, the single is like a trailer to to the film. And the single is what gets people in, but then you hope that they come and watch the film. You hope they listen to the album especially albums like this, which are concept albums. I mean, in an ideal world, I want people to listen to it from the beginning and the end. Every Mm -hmm. song is in that order for a reason. It's not just random. Um, So I think um, I've got, I definitely uh, one more of those I'd really like to do. Then I don't know, but I, 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 I'm already thinking of the concept for the next record. And I do think about it visually, like Mm. where, where it'll be recorded, how it'll be recorded, all that stuff I think matters. Um, it doesn't it matters to me.
0: You mentioned where it has been recorded. Now was Abbey Road always kind of the thing that you had in mind, or was that something that, that just came on your path?
1: It, no, it wasn't actually. I, I at first, when the whole concept of Europeana um, this started, I found this amazing chateau in Provence in France that was spectacular. And we were gonna go there for two weeks. Um, and I think some people were going to even bring their families. It was going to be a whole like experience, and it was going to be really Europeana you know mm. <laughs> in the middle of france um but then the world went into lockdown, and then we started to think about what to do um I was kind of asked to i was pushed quite a bit to do it virtually because there was sort of you know deadlines and things like that, and I really insisted about not doing that because with an album like this, it would have become really pastiche. Had we done it, had we done it like this, you know, like we're talking, it would have been me telling my bass, band, listen to this track. I want it to be something like that. And then he would have done that. Like, do you know what I mean? It would it would sure. have become quite um imitating rather than perpetuating, which is what we ended up doing, which I'm really happy about. Um, but then there was this idea, which my manager actually said, he's like, Why don't you make it in the Mecca of European music? And I was like, Abbey Road. <laughs> and he went, Yeah, Abbey Road. That is you know when it comes to european music that's the that's that's the freaking you know that's the heart um and i thought that that would never be possible i thought it'd be too expensive um but we were lucky there was suddenly an opening for 10 days we only got 10 days in the middle of lockdowns just before christmas so we took it and mm. uh and we did it and it was it was insane man it was 10 very emotional days yeah, it's
0: is because it's it's. I mean, I've walked past it, but but stepping in there, is it, it does it give you a certain feeling?
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, the corridors and all that are new and modern, and that's changed, and it's a proper running business. But when you go into Studio Two, it's exactly how it was mm. sixty years ago. Um, you know, the piano that we're using on this album is the piano from Lady Madonna. Mm. It's the piano from Dark Side of the Moon. Um, it's called. She's called Lady Mills because it was this piano that used to belong to this pub singer called Mrs. Mills. Sorry, not Lady Mills. (laughs) No, that's Lady Madonna. (laughs) Mrs. Mills was this very famous sort of 30s, I think sort of, I guess you'd call it like pub, East London pub singer. Um, But she was very famous in the 30s. And she left this beautiful upright Steinway at Abbey Road. And when she died, they named the piano Mrs. Mills. And that's the piano, like I said, on, on all Beatles records, most Beatles records, and some of Pink Floyd, and many others. I mean, the keys... The keys in the middle are completely worn out. Um, And it's amazing. You know, you've got these incredible microphones and uh, incredible organs, the walls. You know, you walk into the room and that's that's what I've learned. You know, like taking a bunch of musicians and putting them into this room, they all turn into the 12-year-old version of themselves. They all, like, I don't have to tell them, play good. You know, when you put a musician in Abbey Road, you don't have to give them a pep talk. They're going to play the best they've ever played because in their mind, they're John Lennon, they're Paul McCartney, they're Roger, they they go there, they're, they're, they're standing in that shadows of giants. So everybody shows up. It's like playing football at Wembley. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's a, it's a different level.
0: Yeah. I think that the history of that place is magical. Uh, definitely. Um, well, for uh, singing to strangers, you were in Ennio Morricone's uh, studio, now Abbey Road. So where do you go from here? <laughs>
1: Well, I have an idea. Uh, there's two studios. Like I said, I won't give too much away, but I have I have an idea. It kind of very much depends on what this album does. Um, but I think it'll be, I think when, when I go to where I'm going to go, I don't think it'll make people go, huh? I think it'll be like, oh yeah, of course. That that was the next step. I think it's pretty obvious what the next step is. Um, and this, there's two cities that I think can make that happen. Maybe three cities. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to find something the only the only thing I'll say is it has to be somewhere quite grand something mm. quite you know with with a lot of history because I I do like stealing a bit of that history <laughs> and putting it and sprinkling it over my albums because right. Corner studio I did that and Abbey Road I I definitely stole as much as I could from that room.
0: <laughs> well, finally, then, because uh, you mentioned uh, seeing the album as a concept record, and we, we talked about the Europeana kind of uh, feel, but there's there's a sentiment on the album. I don't know if this is a good road to go into, but true love doesn't always last forever. In uh, when you're lonely, so that and, and there's more of those kinds of mentions. Um, what what did that? Uh, where did that come from? In a way.
1: Well, I think it, it doesn't last forever. Um, I think it changes. It, it transforms. Uh, love is alive. It's not a, it's not a static thing, mm-hmm. you know, as we all know. It comes and it goes. Uh, and, and it can come and go with the same person consistently. <laughs> you can love somebody on Monday and fucking hate them on Tuesday and then love them on Wednesday and hate them on Thursday. And I personally think that's true love. Find somebody you can hate. It's easy to fall in love. But finding somebody that you can hate is true love, um, and so that's kind of essentially what I'm getting at. True love doesn't always last forever, but it can come back. It can come back. That's and for sure. like you like you said, and it can come back. And those
0: are the moments when you're dancing together and reconnecting, and all those kind of uh, things. Maybe on hot summer nights uh, uh, that it ha- will happen again. Um, le- like you mentioned earlier, are these all from own experiences, or do you kind of uh, yeah?
1: Yeah, they dev- I mean, like I said, I have a shit imagination. <laughs> 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 um, unfortunately, they are all from my own experiences. But I always try to like. And again, with this record, I- I'm not saying my true love doesn't always last forever. I'm, right, it's, right, right. It's. I'm kind of trying to sort of philosophize over my experiences rather than tell people about my experiences in this out al- in this album. They're more sort of like little, little um, epiphanies of like, oh. There's a lot of O in this album, Um, whereas usually it was like, why why is nobody listening to me? Why does nobody get it? This album, I'm not not writing like that. It is all very much like, huh, I never noticed that. Um, And that's kind of what all the lyrics are sort of about. Um, War of Words. Mm. Uh, Maybe Love is still the answer. I'm not saying Love is still the answer. I'm not pulling a John Lennon. I'm saying maybe. Love is still the answer. I don't know. There's a lot of questioning in this album rather than, you know, it's me against the world. There's a lot of curiosity and questioning. Last question then.
0: Uh, After having a bit of separation between the album, have you found some answers?
1: (laughs) Mm, Good question. (laughs) Um, No. No. I don't think I have yet. I think actually I've opened the door to questions, which is a bit of a pain in the backside um, because I, I, I think actually, now that I've learned how to ask questions rather than always um, think I have the answers, I think that comes with age, man. You know, you think you have all the answers until one day you realize you're just filled with questions um, and you actually know very little. And I think now that I've opened that door, a, I realize there's a lot of stuff I don't know. <laughs> so, so so yeah, I have, I have more questions. I haven't found many answers, but I've definitely found a lot more questions. <laughs> well,
0: there's a lot of time then to delve into those. Um, exactly. Jack, as always, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much okay, for taking too, the time to talk with you, uh, talk with me. Um,
1: yeah, and I hope everything works out. Well, do, do you get to play soon? Yeah, man, we're coming to we're coming to Holland in. February or March. Okay. Uh, it's one right now. I mean, all the shows are coming and going. We're doing Italy, Holland, Switzerland, UK, but hopefully there'll be more. We've definitely got one show in Amsterdam. Um, hopefully there'll be more, but it all depends, you know, how the album does. If people want to hear us play or not, <laughs> that, that, that old chestnut.
0: Yeah. And then, and where the world is at that point, I suppose, this is exactly. also a
1: factor. Well, yep. We'll see what happens. Um, but hopefully see you there if we come, man. Yeah, That'll definitely.
0: Definitely. I'll try to get there. Um, Jack, thank you so much again uh, for taking thank the time. You, I hope you have a great day.